All right, welcome to another Rags the Riches Secrets. Today, uh, today I like this podcast I'm going to do. It's how to become a millionaire if you're an underdog. And part of the reason I want to be able to share this is, like, it's, most of us weren't born with a silver spoon. We didn't, somebody didn't just come up and gift us the opportunity to become wealthy. In fact, most or majority, every single time, they become first generational wealthy when people become a millionaire. So I'm going to take and share with you three things, how you can do it if you're an underdog. And in part, there, there is a lot of magic in this, okay? I'm going to break it down into three different pieces so that you can see three different significant elements that will contribute very, very heavily as you, as you pursue what I call the good life or pursue becoming a millionaire, okay? So number one, okay, book smart can, make, can be a major disadvantage. Now you might be saying, Mike, why would being book smart be a major disadvantage if I'm trying to actually uh, go down the road of wealth, okay, here's what happens. Thing is, is when you're book smart, you you like crush in school, you nail the grades, you get this awesome education, and because of that, you develop the skill set to be an employee. Okay, you're gonna go be an executive, you're gonna go be a doctor, you're gonna go be like you could pick a handful of things that you're gonna be. But here's the thing. The thing, and in part, you can go look and verify this stuff from the millionaire next door. You can verify from the millionaire mind. They take and they go into great, great detail on studying what leads you towards success. And here's what happens, okay? When, when you're an underachiever, let's just say you don't get the best grades. Let's say you don't, like, you're, you're not, like, you don't get a super killer academic, like, uh, ACT score, Okay. Okay, what happens is, is you end up having to figure out how to develop other skills. And because you figure out how to develop other skills, then you then discover how to get yourself from A to B. You figure out how to take and get yourself wealth, okay? And so, like, here's what happens. So you didn't, you didn't like, crush it in Ivy League, get this crazy academic thing. In fact, most of the time, these academic degrees is mostly bragging rights for the parents about where they sent their children rather than the children's bragging rights about where they went. Now, I'm not trying to downplay, I'm not trying to criticize that degree. What I am saying is, is that if you go look at the population of people that, make, that become millionaires, a majority of them discovered they could not make enough money. They could not make enough money in like, say, a profession that required like uh, a super high executive, like, like skills that you would get out of college, okay? And so as a result, they actually ended up having to d develop other skill sets. And developing those other skill sets actually became the trigger or the, 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 the catalyst for their success, okay? And I've mentioned, this is the thing I ran into. Like in college, I didn't get, well, actually pre-college, high school, I did not get good grades. In fact, my grades were just good enough that my dad would take me deer hunting because that was actually important to me. So they were just good enough so I could go with him. But one, and I remember one time in college or high school, I was like, I want to prove that I actually have the ability to get a 4.0. And so one semester I did, I nailed a 4.0. I got the most improved award. I got the, they hung a thing on the wall. They gave me a shirt. The principal came up and shook my hand and talked to me, embarrassed me to death. I remember at the time I was like, gosh, dang, take my name down. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I remember when I went to college, I didn't get good, very good grades initially. It's not till I got married and then I became, in essence, desperate to figure out how to improve my life that I started getting good grades. 
And when I, when I took and I did that, okay, um, it, it, it allowed me to get really good grades because I was desperate and had a ton of fear in my eyes, but it also held me back because I ended up getting a degree. I ended up being able to go work for a company called Raytheon and I got stuck in corporate America. And when I got stuck there, it then took and it handicapped my ability to move forward. Okay. What's crazy is, is I can make in a month what those guys make in a year. Okay. Once I got outside of the corporate America, I could make in a day what people spend an entire month trying to generate, even one to two months. And the secret was, is figuring out how to develop other skills that would allow you to move forward. So when I say becoming a millionaire, if you have to become an underdog, it's like if you don't have good grades, it's okay. Most of the millionaires actually didn't have good grades. You got the one-offs that are like uh, Bill Gates, who was really intelligent, but keep in mind, he dropped out of college. You got Warren Buffett, who went through college. He didn't think college actually would contribute much because he figured his profession and vocation, and he started doing, but he couldn't, he couldn't stand, he knew it was very important to his dad and he didn't want to just disappoint his dad. That's why he went to college. But you go look at uh, the dude that owns Facebook. For some reason, I just forgot his name. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about. He took and he dropped out of college. Now, these guys were actually very, very intelligent, okay? But like those are kind of more of the exceptions that actually enter the millionaire status. Most people that actually hit that are actually underdogs in their methodology to obtain it. And we're not highly book smart. So just keep that in mind, okay? Just know that, that, that being like A-plus grade material in school is not is not necessarily a strategic advantage. It would actually be an advantage if you use that and then develop the other skills. But what happens is, is when you start developing one single skill, like take for example a fish, okay? A fish is actually very good at swimming. But if you ask the fish to run on land, you wouldn't run on land very good, okay? But what if like, like, I mean, that's, that's a good example of becoming highly proficient at something, but like there's other areas where you have to be highly proficient that have a higher correlation to your success at becoming a millionaire. So number two, a lot of this has to do with the person that you marry or the spouse. Now, in this case, I'm going to refer mostly, I would say mostly to men and, and, and I'll, and I'll give this, I'll put it in some context. Why? But this applies for both women and men, okay? When I, when I would take and go work with people doing solar, okay? On the whole, I would always schedule the appointment with the husband. Now, you might be saying, Mike, that's biased. No, it's like the casino. I'm just betting with the odds. Like nine, nine out of ten times, like if I set the appointment with the husband, it is way better and he's more likely to bring his wife into the equation because I really need them both than if I was to set it with the wife because then the husband would come in and veto it, okay? And so when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about this is just how the current marketplace plays out in the sense that typically you could say the men would generate the revenue and a wife maybe stay home. Well, why is that even relevant, okay? So when they were doing their studies that they found that one of the, the strongest or a very, very strong correlation of people that became wealthy is their selection of spouse. Typically, the wife of these millionaires actually never works outside of home, okay? She, has, she is very proficient in what she does, and then he basically has the whole ownership of figuring out how to generate, generate the income and the wealth. Now, when I look at my same scenario, what happened? Okay, I've got eight kids. Well, wait a minute. So I've got eight kids. What it did is it created a whole lot of pressure on me to figure out how to perform. 
because it would make no sense to have somebody else watch eight kids and then my wife was to work because they would completely mute or, or offset the advantage that I would obtain through that. And so because of that, it actually worked to my advantage that I said, okay, I have to say no to most opportunities. I have to say no to this corporate job. I have to say no to that corporate job. Like I have to say no to a lot of things because they don't have the potential to generate what it takes to support a family of that size. And because it didn't make sense economically to have my wife work outside of the home, she worked in the home. That, that, that pattern right there is very consistent across people that become millionaires, okay? So your selection of mate becomes critically important. Like, if, like I, remember, I remember at times I was like, oh, I wish my wife could, could be able to contribute, try and figure out how to generate the revenue. And I, I remember it's frustrating, but just keep in mind that that right there was like a catalyst that causes you to figure out how to or how to create and generate more prosperity without relying on two like breadwinners. Like most of the people I run into nowadays seems like they're always like all dual income and you know, the cost in the market and everything's gotten way up, but they're, they're actually hurting themselves by allowing two people to share it because now they, they're missing the urgency and the fire that makes them say, wait a minute, I've got to figure out how to generate 10 times as much as, as a single individual. Okay. Like you're not, it's, it's hard to get there on, you call them, uh, you call it, what was it dual income dinks. That's what we call them. DI dual income. Yeah, whatever dinks. That's what we call them. Those dual, dual income dinks. So, like, but to, to be a millionaire, you got to figure out how to generate 10 times as much as what an average person would make. So it, it can be a very, it can be a huge setback if you're, or you're relying on two incomes to make it work. Okay. So number three, this one comes into it is you've got to figure out how to find something to sell. Now you might say, wait a minute, like, well, I mean, just pause. Like when I say you've got to figure out how to find something to sell, when you were in college, how many courses and classes did you receive on this is how you sell things? This is the psychology of selling. This is how you influence people. This is how you motivate people. Like I didn't ever get any. Did you get any? Probably not, right? So if you think about it, one of the most critical skills that you absolutely need to obtain to get to that millionaire status is the ability to sell and to persuade and to be influential. And that is probably one of the biggest things that you did not receive in your college education. You gotta figure out how to sell something. And so take, like you gotta start somewhere. And in fact, probably the easiest way to figure this out is find yourself in proximity to an influencer, somebody who knows how to sell. Here's what happens inside organizations. You can have an organization, you can have a sales guy inside a company or a sales lady, okay? They're absolutely crushing it and killing it. And nobody goes up to them, or very frequently, infrequently, somebody ever goes up and says, hey, I can see that you're slaying it. What are you doing that allows you to be so successful? And they don't do it. Therefore, they never discover their secrets. They found out things. They learned things. They, they uncovered things that allow people to be influenced. And I'm telling you, selling is a science. And you've got to understand the science of it. And once you do that, then you will understand how to persuade, okay? Those three things in conjunction are very, very powerful. 
So you're like, hey, I didn't get the best grades in school. Okay, this podcast is for you. Hey, I didn't, I mean, just name it. Like you could be, one of the things I remember from the, the book, The Millionaire Next Door, or it could have been The Millionaire Mind. I don't remember which one it was. He was like, the, the one guy, he was like, I'm the smartest guy on the dumb row. Because when his teacher set it up, the smartest kids were on the front row. And basically, they cheered him all the way back. And he was on the very back row. And he's like, I was the smartest kid on the dumb row. And the thing is, is the ones that were on the front row, probably none of them are millionaires, right? But the dumb row had to figure out how to compensate for being the dumb ones, okay? They had to figure out how to create value in the marketplace in a fashion because they were less likely to get a job, but they still had obligations and responsibilities to pay it. Now, that right there is one of the paths to being successful. Now, you might say, Mike, why is it, okay? One, the fear in your eyes is gonna take and drive you to find something, a way to compensate for your weaknesses in college and textbooks. Number two, you have to have a wife or a husband that supports you because if you don't, dude, you're like dead in the water. Like I, I, I distinctly remember, this is one of the things that, that, that has bubbled up is I remember when I, when I married my wife, I was not in pursuit of the most beautiful woman I could find. I was in pursuit of a woman that had certain characteristics that would align very well with me. In fact, uh, I come from a religious background. I actually had the impression that that was the person that I was supposed to marry. I had never even kissed my wife before we were engaged. And I did that intentionally because I didn't want, I wanted to figure out the right person that would fit well for me, more so than I wanted to be crazy romantic. But then after we got engaged, then I, then I kissed her. But nevertheless, finding a spouse that would support you, even if the thing that you're trying to do seems stupid or crazy, because in your pursuit of prosperity, you will discover you're doing things that don't necessarily make sense. You're going against the grain. But understand that success and wealth typically, typically lie in the niches, in these little niches where there's not massive competition, okay? You got to understand that. And so you've got to be able to figure out the vocations and opportunities that would allow you to prosper and progress farther than you would have ever done, okay? And so then you got to get into this third one that just says, learn how to sell something. Like I made a massive mistake when I was in high school. I went and got a job as a bagger at Albertsons. Like think about how, how difficult, how, what kind of skill set does it take to be a bagger? You don't have to have any skills, right? Anybody can do that. Therefore, that is a very low paid job. I was also a dishwasher. That is a very low paid job. Nobody cares if you know how to wash dishes, okay? Like, I mean, I did when I was at a restaurant. I hope the plates are clean, right? But that's not, a, that's not a very specific skill. It's not solving a very specific problem that nobody else in the marketplace is solving. And so figuring out these things like, how do I sell something that makes sense that gets you in the niches? Now, I'll give you an example of one. You know that I do Amazon stores, right? Here's, I'll, I'll show you how I came up with this, okay? Here's what I know. I know that everybody wants, if you're listening to my podcast, you're probably in pursuit of the good life, okay? Like, if you're not in pursuit of the good life, then you're probably, I mean, I'm glad you're here, but you're probably not my demographic that I'm working with, okay? I am in pursuit of the good life. And so then I ask myself, what would align with my mission in the pursuit of the good life? And here's what I know. Everybody wants a business. And so I'm like, okay, 
Well, not everybody, but if you're in pursuit of the good life, you have got to discover how to own a business, something that generates wealth and creates prosperity, okay? What I do know about my avatar is this individual wants to be able to obtain the good life without getting worked to death, okay? Nobody, it's not the good life if you have to work 90 hours a week. Like, that's not the good life for me. Like, I have no interest in it. In fact, I talk about the good life, and I have some people with degrees that got great educations. They're like, well, I think I need a degree. Good, I'm glad you do, because I want a doctor that can take care of me. But I'm telling you, what I'm in pursuit of is the good life. I do not want to be standing in the operating room performing a procedure, and I only get paid when I am present. That is not the good life for me. I am not in pursuit of that. 100% not in pursuit of that. What I am in pursuit of is a business that generates wealth without me being present. And since I said that, that right there closes the gap for me. So I got a whole staff that manages Amazon stores. They take and they, we got the store, okay? They manage all the marketing. They manage buying the products. They manage doing the, the copy on it. They manage, we manage 100% of like everything. Why? Because I want to be in Hawaii making sales on Amazon and having a machine that fulfills it. So I don't have to be present. Okay, here's what I know about Amazon, okay? Or I know about e-commerce. Is e-commerce stores work 24-7. They never take a break, ever. So let me ask you, your number one sales guy, how often do you want him selling? Do you want him selling from nine to five? Or do you want him selling 24-7, 365 days a year, even on Christmas, when you're unwrapping presents? Like, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm looking for. So when I say pursue the good life, I said, okay, that right there would close the gap. And when I said that, I'm like, that would close the gap for a lot of people that were in pursuit of the good life like me that would be listening to a podcast like that. Therefore, I said, I will run, I will create a company that manages automated Amazon stores so that you can participate in the same vehicle that I use to create wealth. That is what I'm talking about, finding such opportunities. So you don't have to be the smartest guy. What you do is, is you just, you need to align with certain things, which is willing to take a little bit of a risk, willing to take, like when you get an Amazon store, you're gonna put money out, okay? It's low risk, it's very low risk, but, but you have to be willing to do it. Like, if you think that you're gonna get out of life alive, like that's probably a high probability of being false, right? There's risk in living because you will 100% die. Like people get too afraid of risk and stuff, but therein lies where they get stuck because they actually take the most riskiest position of all, which is having a single source of income derived from the job that could then get downsized, sold, and your job could be chopped and you would, have, you would start over on a new corporate, corporate America ladder somewhere else. That right there, that's the Rags Riches Secrets. That's what I'm sharing with you today. That's how you can be an underdog and still make it without being the smartest guy in the room. Okay? I will talk to you later.